Welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast with your hosts, Corndog and Eric. All right, everybody, we are here with uh, the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast, episode number 69, July 27th, 2022. I am Corndog, your co-host. I've got Eric on the phone this week, our co-host. How you doing, Eric? Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome. Cool. Yeah, we're doing a little bit different tonight. I had to be out of town, and so... We got Eric on the phone, so I ended up going to our guest's house, sitting here. Um, we'll go ahead and tell you who it is, before, and then we'll get into our intro and stuff. But we have John Bandit Van Hoove here in studio, in, in Bandit studio. I'm sitting, in his, sitting on his couch. How you doing, Bandit? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Fun day. Right on. So... Uh, Kind of different, Eric. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, man, uh, it's all good. It's all good. I wish I was down there with you guys and and uh, in person to hear Bandit, the infamous Bandit's story. <laughs> yeah, we've been sitting here about I don't know what half hour, an hour, and I'm in tears. I'm rolling, laughing. Bandit's a hoot, so it's gonna be a good show tonight. Good stories <laughs> before then. Anyways, yeah, listeners, you need to tune into this if you're not already. Uh, I don't know if you know John Van Hoove, but the reason they call him Bandit is he's only got one arm. It's it's lost right right at the elbow, and he races, and he's a bad arse. Bad <laughs> Anyways, so sure. let, let's get into our intro a little bit before we start Bandit's story. Um, what have we been going on this week, the last two weeks? I've been having fun. Man, you've been MIA. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been busy the last couple of weeks. I, I guess you can say busy, but uh, we had a guest cancel last week. So uh, I think we missed a week or two. We did our little uh, shop shop tip show last. So, um, yeah. yeah, a little bit about my last couple of weeks. I, I kind of been on a road trip. So I went up towards Tahoe and Reno area. I hooked up with a bunch of several different guys on different occasions, and I've literally been on my bike on five rides in the last seven or eight days. So I'm going to do a little shout-out to some of these guys. I was up in the Reno area, uh, rode with Mike Markham out of Reno, and he took me to the Maze, a place they call the Maze up there. Phenomenal. But this guy has uh, started RAD, Reno Area Dirt Bike Association or something like that, RAD. And um, he's pretty much responsible for the trails being kept up and made around the maze area, the, the right there outside of Reno. And we went on a pretty good ride. It was warm, but it wasn't Vegas warm. So <laughs> um, super cool dude. We spent all day out in the, I can say woods, because they have those long stick things coming up out of the ground that we don't have so much of here. Trees. Yeah, trees. <laughs> uh, so uh, thanks to Mike for taking me on that ride, spending the day with me, and then we went and had tacos afterwards. And it was just a great day. So that's that kind of started my second week on the road out. First week I was with my sister, 
and her boyfriend camping at Lake Tahoe and did a bunch of stuff around Tahoe, mountain biking and whatnot. Uh, and then went over to my cousin's ranch outside of uh, Truckee. And I ended up uh, hooking up a couple of days later with uh, Scott Rabineau and Terry Larson over by Nevada City. And uh, Scott's friend of ours, I've known Scott for a while. He he comes down, he works for Motion Pro, and he comes to the Nevada 200 trail ride. So me and Scott have known each other for quite a few years. Me and Scott has swept the Nevada 200 trail ride together. But they took me on some rides and told me kind of a little bit about their their organization and club. And, oh, my goodness, we, we all need to grab their coattails and learn some stuff, which all these guys are going to be future guests on our, our podcast. So kind of excited about that. But Scott and Terry, they have a club over there up in Northern California. And they actually work for the, not work for, but donate their time building trails. And they've been doing this for like 30 years. And they just go out and maintain these trails every year about this time and then get it ready for winter riding and colder weather riding, but which they call colder weather, but it was beautiful. I think we were at 70 degrees, (laughs) but they took me through the forest, these single track trails. I know on my personal page, I posted some of the, the GoPro video and I was going slow because I didn't know how to turn in these trees so much, but man, it was fun. Spent the day there and got up to some high elevation and uh, they work with the forestry and every hour that their organization works, money and hours get donated back to the forestry budget. And I also found out that the forest ranger for the forestry right there actually races dirt bikes. So we have one on our side. Um, what did I just say his name was, Eric? I forgot already. But he's going to be a future guest with Scott and Terry on our show. And, uh, man, there's just so much respect in that area for Scott and his organization. It's crazy. And my yeah, that's, that's awesome that those guys are doing that and, like, going in and doing trail improvements and that it, that, that program's there to give back to the forest for trail maintenance and different improvements. Yeah. It was, it was crazy affects the dirt biker, right? What's that? That basically comes back and directly affects the dirt biker. And- oh yeah. I mean, those trails are used by the horses, the horse people and dirt bikers and a little bit of the mountain bikes. There's some mountain bike areas there too. And they all have Scott on speed dial. He's got a good reputation. They, the mountain bikers and the horse riders they love scott because they they're right there all the time helping them he was telling me some stories i can't wait to get him on the show to tell these stories but they all they all turn to scott and his group and and they just there's so much respect there between everybody it's just it was phenomenal to see yeah that's that's really cool yeah it's pretty neat i i didn't show up and met them till about 11 o'clock in the morning but they had been a whole group of them, like 20 guys were out on the trail and there's like 600 plus miles of trail. And I only saw a little taste of it, 30, 40 miles of it, but they had been out since like seven o'clock in the morning working trails and I didn't get there till 11. And, uh, Scott takes his front number plate off of his bike and he's got this rack or whatever it is. 
and a chainsaw sits right in it, like like a ho- old cowboy with the gun on with the gun on the side of the saddle. But Scott's got a chainsaw right on front of his bike, man, and he just rails through these trails with the chainsaw. And we, when I got there and rode with him, he kept the chainsaw on, and I actually helped him clean trail and and cut some trees down and move branches, and it was just kind of cool. Just that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, so. Again, I know I've said it a couple times, but I can't wait to get Scott and that Ranger and Terry and whoever else in that area wants to come on the show. Well, I, on that note, Corn Dog, I mean, for any of our listeners, if you guys are in an area where maybe there's a, a group like that or you're not sure, um, you know, try to reach out and see see what you can do to join in on some trail maintenance and stuff. That that goes a long ways for our industry and for the future of dirt bikes and so pretty, pretty neat stuff there. And that's kind of how I hooked up with Mike Markham for the, when he took me to the maze, I put a post on one of the group Facebooks that our, our uh, podcast group belongs to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just posted, I said, Hey, I'm in the area. Anybody want to take corn dog for a ride? And Mike responded and we hooked up and had a great day. Yeah, of course, I, I text Scott and cause I know Scott from way back and, ended up hooking up with him um so that's pretty cool and then a couple days later i ended up uh hooking up with nate delaney uh the owner from ddc we've had him on our podcast from the past and uh oh man we went on a ride he took me to a place i got to his house we loaded up in his truck and drove another 40 minutes but he took me to a place um, he goes, I got to take you to places like no place on earth that he's been, but they call it Mars. So and the old huh. two stroke had a little bit of hard time, but it was all single track trail. And was it we, technical or not? Su- not super technical. Just it it was. What was it, it like? It, it was single track and technical and trees, but not so much turny and tall trees. Like when I rode with Scott over in Nevada city. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a lot longer ride. He wore me out, but it was, we got up to high altitude, almost 12,000 feet above the tree line. And I'm like, why do they call it above the tree line? I, and apparently trees don't grow above 10,000 feet. So yeah. we were, we were almost on to 12,000 feet and it's nothing but rock and gravel. And I know I've posted some video on my personal page, but it's like being on Mars. It was crazy. And I had to work the, twice as hard because the two stroke wasn't running that good you know it's still the old yamaha not old yamaha but the old style you know still they haven't done much changes so i worked twice as hard to get it up there because it just wasn't running good with that thin air (laughs) of course i was puffing too yeah that air gets pretty thin you get that high so we did close to 60 miles that day and i felt it anyway went back and I don't know. There must have been a theme because we had tacos at his house that night, too. <laughs> uh, Apparently, they like tacos in northern Nevada, huh? Right? <laughs> so, super awesome family. Thanks, Nate, uh, for taking me on that ride. I actually pulled the moto van in his backyard, and I slept in the moto van and uh, cool. got, up, got up that next morning and had to start heading back down south for um, my nephew Gary's. ISDE um, fundraiser and searchlight. 
and man, that was a lot of fun too. So pretty good turnout, big raffle. Of course, corn dog made out at the raffle, but he threw a lot of money out there too. So to support Gary. Yeah, that was a family deal, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. His, yeah. his father-in-law won some stuff. My sister was there. She won some she stuff. <laughs> I, I think we just threw out the most money. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Actually, if you you put some money out there, usually it comes back in the raffle area. But yeah, yeah, that's so, cool, man. It sounds like you had a really rough week. Yeah, and then I then I, I got a little sick, and then I got over that, and I headed back home. I hadn't been home in two three weeks and as soon as i pulled in the yard you text me eric i'm like so how's our maps going or whatever we need to do for our trail ride and mm-hmm. uh, well we're gonna ride it tonight which was last night and i'm like all right i'm in so i've been on the bike five times in the last seven eight days and what did we do 50 miles last night yeah into yep. the dark <laughs> doing some doing some little maintenance along the way too cleaning yep things up so i know we talked about it on our last episode a little bit about uh we're trying to pull off a trail ride this year and i actually had a meeting with blm today and we might be cutting a little close we got our fingers crossed turning in some stuff turning in maps and applications and stuff like that so um you got anything else you want to talk about that eric no i think uh that's that's good you know and we're just we're working hard, working hard to try and pull something off. So stay tuned. We'll drop some dates soon, and it's going to be epic. Yeah, say say the prayer to the dirt bike gods that we get this going because <laughs> it's going to be good. What you took me on last night was phenomenal. Yeah, we got some uh, some really cool stuff out here in Panaka. So yep, especially so. get up into the trees and whatnot. Cool. So that that's kind of been my two weeks. What what have you been doing the last two weeks? You've been working. Yeah, mostly. Uh, <laughs> you mostly always work. work. <clears throat> mostly work, man. Just keeping things rolling here. Keeping the, the keeping the county safe. What is the job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, anyway, and then I. Then I had to get up in the morning. I wasn't even home 24 hours, I don't think, and was on the road again. So here I am in Vegas, and uh, we were going to have do a podcast what, from your what house. They, and... What do they call that, Corn Dog? I, I think they call that Gypsy. <laughs> gypsy, yeah, living in the moto van and house to house or wherever I can find. Wherever I lay yeah. my head is home. Living uh, the dream, kid. Yeah, so I, but... I got up early this morning and headed to Vegas and – we were going to have the podcast at your house, you know, in studio like we always do. But I realized I had a doctor's appointment. So I we called Bennett and like he's like, come on over. I got hamburgers. I got beer. I got wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting here and that's why we were doing things different tonight. Got you on the phone instead. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I guess we can move on before we get to. To Bennett, go over a little bit of some races coming up that I can think of. I know this weekend is, there's two races that I know of. The Moran Coyotes race up in Ely. It's the Moran night race, July 30th. And then the following, or the Sunday, the next day, SRA at Glen Helen 
the 31st is their GP style race, which is, I love, wish I could go. Maybe I will. Um, and then August 13th is best in the desert Vegas to Reno. So I know all the teams are, I've been seeing posts, all the teams are getting prepped and ready for that and getting their bikes ready and prepping and stuff like that. Are yeah. you doing that Eric this year or no? Uh, nope. I've got a little family vacation that weekend planned. So, okay. We'll, uh, I might do the national hare and hound here in Panaca and then my next for sure race is uh legacy Cedar city. Okay. That's uh, a couple months away or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll talk more about that on our future podcasts as those dates come closer. So with that being said, I guess unless you don't have, don't have anything else, we can start the, the bandit story. Yeah, man, let's get in it. All right. So it, if you heard me earlier before, I've known Bandit for years, years and years, and I, I got some stories I'll tell too, but um, Bandit, John Van Hoof, the one-armed Bandit, <laughs> uh, he's been racing all kinds of stuff. I've been sitting over here for an hour or so now, and I, I know a little bit of his history, but man, he's been throwing some stuff out there that I'm like, really? I've been writing all kinds of stuff down. Um, I, we can't wait. Anyway, a one-armed racer. And with that being said, let's just hand it over to Bandit and we'll tell your story. <laughs> you ready for this, Bandit? Well, I'll give it hell. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's what we're going here. Anyways, there I go with anyways. I say that all the time. So tell us who you are, where you're from, and just start at the beginning. Tell us your story. So uh, my grandparents raised me in the Bay Area um, when I was 10. We used to go to my aunt and uncle's uh, orchard in Northern California. And to change the irrigation dishes, they use CT90s and CT50s. So I volunteered, changed the irrigation. And so I used to ride the CT90, and that's how I got started. And I was jumping the irrigation ditches and breaking the bike. So my grandpa bought me a different bike. And uh, it was a Dream 150. And uh, that was the scariest motorcycle I've ever been on. And Told my grandpa this isn't the right one. <laughs> so he bought me a CB175. And um, I started visiting uh, Vegas. I raced a little bit in, in Northern California on a, a DT1 250 Yamaha. And then uh, my dad lived here in Vegas. So I started visiting him when I, my, the summer I was 14. Uh, ben, let me jump in here a minute. Um, at this time, you had both arms. Correct. So I know we're going to jump ahead a little bit. If you want to tell us that story real quick and then we could go back to the two-arm bandit sure, or the sure. two-arm john <laughs> so, so um, my first summer here i, I get the in race vegas. in vegas i got the race of moran race and the next summer i came back and during that summer um had an industrial accident and lost my arm um right at the end of the summer and at 17 at 17 um <clears throat> and the doctor um my dad came into the hospital room and said the doctor says you can't ride anymore uh, we're going to buy you a dune buggy. And I said, Dad, I worked all summer long for that bike. It's my bike. Tell the doctor eat shit. I'm going riding. <laughs> so I guess it took about a month and a half after I got out of the hospital. Uh, Bill Hill Sr. <clears throat> owned Vegas Cycle Center. And I had an Osa Stiletto. It's the bike I paid for. And they, they made me a left-hand throttle. 
But what year was this? 1974. 74. So uh, I got my first prosthetic and I, I got a farmer's hook where you're able to put a, a shovel or a hole in it and it's got a, a round portion on it and the hook. And we slid that on the handlebars and duct taped it and away I went. Uh, won my first race eight months later on a TT course out at Williams Raceway. Um, funny thing about the hook was I had crashed, had the hook pointing downward. It went through my kneecap oh, on my torsion Hallman leathers and into my knee. So the next week race, we, we turned it up, pointed up. I crashed and it went between two of my ribs. <laughs> and the next night we got a hacksaw and cut the end of the hook off. <laughs> So <laughs> I proceeded to uh, race for years, duct taped to the handlebars and uh, click clack and saved a lot of crashes and had a lot of people go, dude, I don't know how you saved that. Well, I was tied to the handlebars, <laughs> so I didn't have much choice. And I raced a ton of uh, Williams Raceway motocrosses, then raced Moran forever and ever. Um, so I guess we can go back to where... You were racing in California motocross? Yes, Northern California. So my grandparents were a little naive about what we were doing. So I'd say I'd go for the weekends with my friends riding. And uh, they'd sign me up and sign my grandparents' name. And I'd get to race. And uh, Northern <laughs> California was just awesome in those days. So is, I'm sure. So how old were you when you first started racing, did you say? So 15. 15? Yeah. So okay. uh, 15 and 16, I got the race. And then at 17 is when I lost my arm. And then... Uh, I'd moved back to California for a couple of years and, and raced up there. Um, one my, arm. One arm. Um, my grandpa had bought me a Botaco Persang in 1975. One uh. of the coolest motorcycles ever. And uh, he used uh, silver certificates and $2 bills. Wow. To buy me a motorcycle. It was the coolest thing. <laughs> and so got to race here forever. Um, a lot of fun days. My My dad and my brother raced here in Vegas. My dad had a 11 number one plates out of Williams Raceway. My brother had a couple number ones. And Williams Raceway was kind of over. So off C Craig Road. Craig. Yeah, where uh, the golf course Shadow Creek is at today. Uh -huh. Kind of by the old Craig Road Speedway. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, not too far from that. And uh, gosh, a lot of people from Vegas. We, we, there was a big following. And then after that. And that was all motocross. All motocross. And then I raced desert in between. And then my... Uh, my stepmother joined Mother's Motocross, which was out at Apex. And we raced for years out there. And and, and my, my dad held races uh, at the Speedrome where the, the NASCAR course is now. Um, oh. Part of it was on the road race course, and he, he'd go on the motocross. And we had night motocross in the summer there. It, it was pretty cool. I uh, worked at Motorcycle Tire Center in those days. MTC. Yes, man. That was crazy old days. Still there. Yeah. It's a... It was super small to begin with, and now it's gotten small again. But it, it, it grew, and it was it was a fun time. We got to meet a lot of great people through that store. Yeah, I remember going there years and years ago. I, I can remember what was. Was that down on Boulder? Yeah, originally, it was on Boulder Highway next to the showboat. And then they moved yeah, over I, remember, to, I remember that. Yeah, Charleston and Eastern. I remember I was racing the Orleans Works race, and a guy comes up to me. And I can't remember who he was, but he says, dude, I remember you from – 50, 20 years ago, he says, my dad and I were in tire center and you came out of the back. You were carrying a wheel and a tire and you had a sprocket over your stub. <laughs> and I thought, what the hell? The guy's got a sprocket on his arm. 
And so he told me that story. I guess it's probably like four years ago at the at the works race at Orleans. And wow. uh, we ha- we laughed really hard over that. It was like, man, I remember those days and, and it was just <laughs> good times, man. Good times. Mm. I am um, was very fortunate to um have uh, had a chance to race. Um how old are you now? Sixty five. Sixty five. And you're still racing strong. Yes. Given it health that the last ride was the Caliani ride. That was a, a great time. Yeah, our, our trail ride. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was a lot of fun. Got lucky enough to get in Dirt Bike Magazine. Yep, yep. yep. The the July issue of the Dirt Bike Magazine. I know I've posted it. I think I posted it on the podcast, but I posted it on my personal page. But they did a big article on the trail ride, and then a little clip in there was about Bandit. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I didn't expect it, and it's the second time I've been fortunate enough to be in Dirt Bike Magazine. So it was cool. Um, but back to losing my arm, uh, you know, a lot of people are surprised that I still ride and, and, and do things. But, you know, you, you're dealt certain cards. Yep. You know, you, you play those cards. And um, I was 17, and I had a motorcycle and chasing chicks and wasn't going to stop doing either. So it, it was just – I was fortunate enough to have motorcycles in my life. Um, you know, people ask, you know, uh, what, what you've done if you had – if you hadn't had motorcycles, I go, I don't know how I would have handled losing my arm had it not been for motorcycles, the family around motorcycles, the racing community, all it, it embraced me and it let me do what I wanted to do and supported me through it. Um, I've been fortunate enough. I did a, a race for uh, an amputees race in Michigan. And it was a, um, a qualifier race. And I went there and First day of practice, I'm Doug Henry's on a, a motorcycle that has a cage over it. And so we go through practice and I'm going through the doubles and these guys are jumping over my head that are in wheelchairs, but they're in a motorcycle with a cage. That's amazing. Oh, I'm looking at the, the drain plugs and going, these guys are badass. I thought I was a pretty tough guy with one arm. They were bad. And they're, they're completely paralyzed. Yes. I mean, and I pulled up... I parked to two guys in wheelchairs in the pits and going, I can't believe this is right. And, and Doug Henry was promoting that at that time. He had just gotten into um, being a paralegal and racing. So really cool stuff. Yeah, I've been fortunate. And, and I don't think I could have um, done it without motorcycles and, and being able to the person I've been. I've been fortunate in my professional career at my job uh, to exceed in, in, in sales. And I think part of it was because when you race a Moran race and you go one arm and you're going up some of those hills and down some of those hills, you accomplish that, you can accomplish anything. I, yeah, I can't even imagine. I, a quick story about when I first met Bandit, it's been years ago, 20, 30 years ago, whatever. I was kind of a new racer and <laughs> we were in Alamo at a Yucca Chuckers race, I believe, at the rodeo grounds. And my ex-brother-in-law, He's a ex Metro K nine and ex Air Force. I think he was in the Air Force at the time. So we decided to go race, and and we were fairly new. I'd raced a few, but so it's a long desert, hot, nasty race, two lap race. I remember having to go through Dead Cow Canyon, to where all the all the farmers would tow their dead cows up in this canyon, and we'd have to race right through the center of them, and it stunk. You held your breath for like two miles. <laughs> it was, have you ever raced that, Eric? Uh, oh, it's it, it they did hot. it quite a few years. It was We started at the rodeo grounds. Anyway, so back then, Moran had um, 
you, if you did one lap and you decided you didn't want to do a second lap, they had a, a wimp out shoot or a, and there's other names for it, but you, you have to sit there until the leader comes by. So you just kind of off course. So me and Dave kind of pull in there, my ex brother-in-law and we're like, all right, we're done. We're spent. We're hot. We're dehydrated. That Canyon stinks. We're done. So we have to sit there. And then all of a sudden here comes this other bike pulls up. It's bandit one arm, a one arm guy. And he's going out on his second lap. I'm like me and Dave look at each other. And we're like, what the heck? We feel like idiots. And we sat there, probably argued 20 minutes with each other. Should we go? Should we not go? Well, that one arm guy just went out there. I think we ended up going. I can't remember, but whether we did or we didn't, I know you made us feel like crap. <laughs> so, it, it was a tough, silty day. That was a tough course. It, yeah, it yeah, was. It was hot and it stunk from the couch stuff. And gosh, it was <laughs> good thing you went out and finished it. Right. So that that's that's my first knowing of you anyway we've become friends at, since then because i see you at all your races and anyway well you do a lot to help the sport and so it's, it's good to know you and eric as well um i can remember a, a gp at boulder city i think your bike didn't start on the start or something and i, I got to get or i crashed <laughs> I, I got to be behind you and i was tried the hardest to, 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 to pass you and i'd catch up and you'd pull away and i'd catch up I'm like, damn it, I got to get him. And, and you beat my ass that day, but it was a lot of fun. I don't know if that's a good story or a bad story <laughs> because a one-armed guy's catching me. <laughs> I, was, I was trying with all my heart. It was a, it was a fun time. I, I'd like to talk a little bit about my prosthetic arm now. Yeah. Um, and, and when I first started, we used the hook and we duct taped it. And then I went And I a, did have the current one. I got, I was just out in your garage. I took pictures. So I'll be posting them. Excellent. It's really a cool fast bar to come. A guy named uh, Bunderson Racing, Kevin Bunderson, and built a lot of awesome race cars. I, I got hooked up with him, and Kevin started helping me create an adapter to release from the handlebars. So I, I was finally able to get off the bike, and we went through multiple revisions. And uh, thank God he helped me out and was was really good to go through the engineering. And his, his mind was one of those guys that thinks up things. And was really cool. Today, I'm fortunate enough to use a Mert Lawwell's prosthetic. It's got a Fox shock in it. And Mert Lawwell is Hall of Fame, AMA legend. He was in the movie um, On Any Sunday. Mm -hmm. Great guy. One of his best friends had lost their arm many years ago. And Mert had an engineering background and started creating the Mert hand, a release mechanism where you could hook a prosthetic to so people could ride motorcycles. Today, he has a lot of mountain bike racers. His son is actually the uh, vice president of Shimano, and he, he was a, a national champion mountain biker, and he helps promote that. Um, four <clears throat> years ago, I had a friend call me and say, hey, um, I know Mert Law will, and he's looking for a test rider for his arm. And, of course, I, I jumped at the opportunity and, and worked with Mert for the last four years, and we continue to make revisions and, and – uh, we're pretty close to ha having an arm that can go uh, for sale and we're going to take it to the VA hospital first of all and let the VA approve it. It's a much faster process and we want to help out as many vets as we can. But uh, 
really uh, a great opportunity to help uh, other people use prosthetic limbs to snowmobile, mountain bike, bicycle, and uh, motorcycle ride. That's that's so cool. That is really cool, man. Yeah. So the funny part, at Caliani, the week before, Murder had gotten an award (laughs) in California, and, and Chris from Motion Pro, Terry and Scott, I got to meet them there, and they were telling me about the week before, and they knew me really well, and I showed them the arm, and th- th- they were really um, enthusiastic about helping me. Um, the first day's Friday ride, I crashed into a tree head on. And, uh, <laughs> and this is the Nevada 200 trail ride yes, this last year. Yes. So, and then I um, rung my bell, guy picked me up and helped me get going, and got back to the pits. Next morning, I got up, getting ready to go off on the ride. And my arm's not working. And my wife says, it's bent. And so Chris, who owns Motion Pro, Scott, and uh, Terry. Scott Rabineau and Terry Larson. Yeah, so I'm parked right next to him. And I said, help, guys. My arm's all bent. So right before we start, we take it apart. They put it onto a a trailer hitch because I mushroomed the the portion uh, at the elbow. And they took a ball-peen hammer, straightened it out. Got my arm fixed so I could ride the next day. <laughs> and, and they all knew Mert, so it was really cool. They, they called Mert and shared the story that, you know, they had helped me. And i um, very fortunate to be able to hang out with people like that and have fun. Yeah, that's cool. They were That's who I was riding with uh, up there last week or a couple of days ago. And they told me about that. So it was pretty cool. I've seen the video. I'm envious, man. You run some cool trails. They've invited me up to a, a, a Halloween ride. They do a Halloween thing. So it's dual sport, and I just, my dual sport, I, I'm just selling it, so i got to convert my Husky real quick to get ready so I, I can take it up there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that ride. Yeah, I'd love to go up there, but I already have commitments through the Halloween season. I work at haunted houses, so I'm going to miss that. Which So, Bandit, i got a question. Um, is your prosthetic on your right or left arm? So it's on my right arm. So when I, when I first lost my uh, arm, the first ride we did, we hooked the throttle on going forward, and the cable was on the outside of the handlebars. And so the first hill I went down, my body weight, because I didn't have my prosthetic yet, was, was turning the throttle on, and I was click-clacking, bouncing around like, oh, shit. <laughs> Whiskey throttling it downhill. Oh, big time, dude. <laughs> oh, because you were... And going forward. And then once we got it figured out and I got my prosthetic, um, now the cable was starting to catch bushes. And so the bushes would cause it to go and say, we got to make a left-hand throttle. And that's when Bill Hill's uh, mechanic down at Vegas Cycle in in, in 1974 machined a Suzuki throttle to go backwards. And so I was able to ride it normally. And uh, long before... A rev locks and recluse clutches and so i used to have a clutch lever on the top and a front brake on the lower part so when you're standing up you're positioned better to put the front brake on and when you're sitting down i could clutch it um i gotta tell you my arm would be so sore a- a- after riding and racing and i can't my- even imagine so so your right or your left arm was doing the clutching the braking and the throttle yes and wow and and and, and, and i it was my stub 
um, the prosthetics weren't really made for, for, for riding a motorcycle. And I would have a bloody stump almost <laughs> every race. And it, it was a, when I would wow. take my arm off in the pits, people were going, ah, and, and uh, I, it was um, <laughs> an experience to go through, but it was all worth it. it you, if I hadn't lost my arm, I wouldn't be who I am today, having overcome struggles. And a lot of those struggles were on a motorcycle. And, you know, just accomplishing, finishing a Moran race in those days was tough. Moapa um, Vegas, I think I finished right at dusk. And it took me, and we started like seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the toughest races. Um, a guy named Billy McDaniel's dad, he was in his 70s. And uh, he must have picked me up four or five times, six times at the finish line. He goes, tells his son, Billy, who's one of my best friends, uh, says, I'm tired of picking up the one arm asshole. You get him. <laughs> 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 so there was a lot of people in Moran and other races that would help me. And it'd be funny. I'd get on a hill and have a, a, a trouble. And somebody goes, let me ride your bike up. And uh, said, if you want to try. And they'd grab my bike and go, oh, shit, no. We'll push you up the hill. We ain't riding left-handed. And so, um, good yeah, times. Yeah, crazy. But a family sport and Moran people helped me do things. It had it not been for their help, I wouldn't have uh, the future I have today. Yeah, that's that's, that's cool. Awesome. So is your is your setup the same today where you're still riding left-handed with everything or has it converted over? Recluse. Thank God for recluse. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, when, the first automatic clutch was a, a Revlock. And uh, I think they ended up selling out to recluse. But um, you know, through the years, and of course, they've come, become awesome. And technology uh, continues. And, and, and they they gave me the one-arm discount. So I'm, I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. That they support amputees. Um, yes. Uh, they support amputees so it's really cool how they try to help um us out in, in, in the industry i've been very fortunate to have a lot of people do that um but yeah so i, I have a what i do today is in, in the old days i used to turn the front brake upside down and it worked okay in japanese bikes but on european bikes i would get air into the line and, and the brake wouldn't be very good it'd, it'd be pretty spongy and some of them ran downhills my my Ass was puckered to the seat more than the front brake was working. But uh, <laughs> so um, it's, it's today I'm able to take and make new brake lines. So I take the clutch line because now it's a hydraulic clutch with the centrifugal. And I use the, the front, the, the master cylinder from the clutch as a front brake. One of the issues with that is the master cylinder piston and a clutch is much stronger than a master cylinder on a front brake because you're pushing all those clutch plates versus two little brake pads. So my my brakes tend to be, you blow on it with the air and it, it, it comes on. So you, it's, it's a little bit sketchy <laughs> on um, off campers and things that are slippery, but I, I, I got a front brake in the right place and got the recluse. Um, my first rev lock for it race was at Alamo when we had the, the Hell's Half Acre, and the starting line was on the um, airstrip. Mm -hmm. And so, I dead engine start. I have a WR250 Yamaha, and I got it in gear, and I hit the electric start, I hole shot. And so, 
I get to the end of the first turn. I'm like, I don't want to be in the front. Oh shit. <laughs> but the, the, the <laughs> centrifugal clutches enabled me to do a ton of hole shots, but I didn't want to get my ass run over. So I'd move over. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, a few years ago, you went to go riding just with some buddies and you stopped at a gas station and you had your arm in your gear bag and whatever with your bike and somebody reached in there and grabbed your gear bag and got your arm and every, I remember that was a big deal. Um, tell us a little bit about that whole story. So I was going riding with some guys up off on highway 95 and stopped at the gas station and got gas and water, get out to ride. And I realized my gear bag's not there. And I'm thinking, I know I packed my gear bag. I, I know it was right here. And so go back to the you know gas station and stuff. And of course it's not there. And my prosthetic arm uh, had a new carbon fiber arm. It was really cool. Had a good release mechanism that Anderson Racing had made. And I think I was, um, I got number two plate that year um, in the over 45 class or over 50 class um, in Moran. So I was doing really well. And it, it was just really a, a bummer to have that happen at the time. And so um, Associated Press picked it up. The local news stations all picked it up. The radio stations um, had um, Howard Stern talk about it. Uh, one of the guys on ESPN, it was, it went viral. And, and that was early for that kind of stuff to happen. But uh, never got the arm back. And we, we had put out stuff when, when I got interviewed on the, the local news saying just drop it off in a church parking lot you know it, it's custom made no other amputee could even use it and then the, the modified end would not work with a hook it had to be worked on my motorcycle um so it ha had to have a handlebar adapter but um the, the detectives told me that it was too much press people were too scared to be associated with it and i never got it back um sponsored by climb at the time climb gave me a new gear bag and other people donated stuff so i got my old arm out and i think the next race was um panaka uh, across from dale's house across the street right there okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was caliani panaka yeah yeah, yeah. and um <clears throat> it, it was a my old arm didn't work as good as the new arm and <laughs> it was a tough day but uh yeah it was crazy i, I can't imagine you know what those people think today I haven't done that and, and did something to an amputee. Today's popularity of amputees and the respect they get is, is much greater as each year goes by. And, and thankful for that, for today's society view of uh, amputees. But yeah, that was a, that was a pisser. Yeah. That, that was, that hurt us, the whole community. It was crazy. Yeah. I, I actually put a reward up and some guy says, I got it. And I gave him the reward over the, like a green card, green dot, or something through Walgreens. Those little credit card things. Yeah, and it was a psych. It's uh, yeah. He didn't have my arm, but he got my money. Uh, <laughs> so we got, went from bad to worse. Hey, but, you, got, uh, you got taken, <laughs> bent over twice. <laughs> I took my arm and then my money. <laughs> ah, yeah, I remember that whole thing going on. That yeah, was horrible. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. I was fortunate enough to be in um, the first Vegas Torino. Oh, really? Ninety six. Nice. That was a um, cool, cool uh, event to be a part of. And Casey uh, first put on the best in the desert races, and I, I've known Casey. She's, my dad and Casey raced against each other. She's years and years and years ago, um, and so uh, Daryl and Brian were just kids. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
So when you race that Vegas Arena, were you on a team or Ironman it? So we were on a team, and so I had a throttle, and Kevin Butterson designed it where we could take it apart and make it a left or a right. So I had two team men- members, uh, Danny Martinez from Northern California, I grew up with a guy named Mel Chapman, really fast local racer. And uh, so we would switch the throttle at each pit. Wow. And so um, I, I, I got to ride the last hundred and we were on a 252 stroke and the headlight uh, went out about uh, five miles into my last hundred. So I rode it in the dark and that was some scary doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> no headlight. <laughs> um, but, scary doo-doo. Yeah. Quote of the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was a, it was good to be able to finish it. It was, you know, an accomplishment and another, another goal that to show people that I had a um, European um, news uh, company interview me at, at the finish line. And so a lot of popularity about people can do things that uh, people don't realize out there. Wow. I, I, I'm amazed. After all these years, I still amazed at what you do, what you can do. And you're one of my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. It's, it's just well, be a part of a community. Bandit, um, <clears throat> talking about amazing. I mean, I I grew up with a grandfather that had a prosthetic leg, and um, you know, it didn't it didn't hamper him much. I mean, he pretty much did what whatever he needed to do or wanted to do. He was a carpenter, and made a an entire career as a carpenter with a prosthetic leg. And this was back in you know the early eighties and. 70s, late 70s, early 80s, 90s. Um, but on the back end, seeing the routine and the what went into making that happen and, and making that work and, uh, you know, the cleaning of the leg and all that stuff behind the scenes. I mean, you guys really do go through a lot to make things happen. And it's just, it's absolutely impressive what you've done. I just don't want that to go on unnoticed because i mean growing up watching that you know it's it's just amazing yeah it's it's cool thanks you know it's 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 a mindset if you want to do something and it i'm sure he'd love carpentry i love motorcycles so end up doing things i I did a couple triathlons with the challenge athletes foundation um things i never thought i could do but i i went to one of their their triathlons and I watched amputees swim the, the 1.2 miles. Um, guys ride a bicycle 56 miles with one leg. Mm. Um, and, and, and blind people um, you know, have assistance to swim and run. And it was so inspirational. Like, I went and bought me a, a, a triathlon bicycle the next day. I said, I got to try this because I thought I was a pretty badass riding motorcycles. These guys smoked me. I was like, what the heck? (laughs) But it was all about, you know, mindset and desire. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And he would never, you know, he would never complain or talk about it. I just, I wanted to say that because of what I've seen and experienced, but you know, it is, it's, it's a mindset and uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what your, your limitation is. If you, if there's a will, there's a way, right? I mean, exactly. But, but absolutely amazing. The amount of work that you've put in to make it happen is is commendable for sure. Super. Thanks. Yeah. It, 
the inspiration to others and other amputees. Like we have a kid in our ground shakers club, which used to be a wild bunch member, <laughs> Bailey Bean. He was born without an arm. And I know you have supported him and has been a mentor with him for years. And it, it's awesome to see. And I also have a friend that uh, is a female. She lost her arm a few years ago. And I've talked to her about you and stuff. And I think she's watched some of your videos. But recently she decided she wanted to ride a street bike. And she taught herself how to ride a street bike with one arm and without a prosthetic. So she's out on these Vegas streets on a street bike, just one arm. She's toughing it. She's toughing <laughs> it. So um, Bailey's dad, David, he came to me uh, when Bailey was uh, got his first 50cc motorcycle. And uh, I think Sam Cycle or someone had told him about me. And he called me up and he came on over. And I, I showed him uh, how my prosthetic was hooked. And so I set him up with Bunderson. And I set him up with the... <clears throat> prosthetic company that made my prosthetic so we got bailey a prosthetic and at that time i i didn't believe the insurance coverage so so david his dad you know bit, bit the bullet and spent a lot of money to get his son to, to be able to ride a motorcycle and we have a release mechanism with a spring-loaded adapter that goes to a, a male fitting on the handlebars and uh bailey got on and he's been racing ever since and uh, he recently, he just bought a 450. I think he was out at Sandy Valley last week. But... Yeah, he's like 21, 22 now. Yep. Um, and so, uh, guys, we went to, he would come with me in my motorhome with his parents. We went to probably, I got to say, probably close to 100 Moran races and probably mm -hmm. 30 Works races. Yep, yep. Yeah. And he was just with me this last weekend at my nephew Gary's ISD fundraiser. He was racing that or riding it or whatever you want to call it so how do you look on the 450 you look good he's liking it yeah he's, he's a tough kid man he's yeah and so hey racing desert as an amputee and moran will make you give you some character <laughs> yeah. i think just going through life without a, a a limb would i mean it's either gonna make you or break you it's on your head i think there's i see people out there on street corners or whatever that are a lot better off per se and they're just out there for a handout yeah you you, you got to work at life um i hope bailey doesn't mind me telling this story but um bailey had told the kids in school that he was a motorcycle racer and his teacher called him up and says you shouldn't lie and <laughs> so of course he went home and told his parents and they went down at a teacher conference and showed him pictures of bailey racing and uh, that teacher ate a little bit of crow. <laughs> but uh, that's yeah. awesome. So some some people don't even believe it, but uh, it's all you know what you do um, out there in the desert. People don't see. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, how cool of a dad to to have a son born without a limb, and then to say, you know what, my kid's going to do hard things, and I'm going to teach him it's okay and how to how to handle it, and, and you instead know, of babying him. him. Yeah, got him. Yeah, got him on a motorcycle and and made it happen. I mean, it's like you said again. It's a it's a mindset. And um, you to see the kid fish and hunt. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's with a stub. That guy can shoot. He can fish. He and race motorcycles. Yeah, he, he's gonna find him a nice gal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. 
Well, I know you've made a, uh, have had a lot of accomplishments and a lot of other things. I know you've been to the X Games. I think we helped you with that one year. But uh, let's take a little break, and we'll come back and talk about X Games, some of the championships you've won, some of the other organizations you've raced and everything like that. Cool. Cool. All right, Eric, we'll uh, take a little break, and we'll be right back. Sounds good. All right. Later. I'm here. All right. We are back with John Bandit Van Hoove. Man, what a riot on our break. We um, got our refresh, got our drinks filled up and potty break. But he started just ripping off some stories. And I told him, stop. Let's get Eric on the phone and let's tell some stories. <laughs> so um, the first one is I know he talked a little about about losing his arm and what a what a badass he is but he actually told us how he lost it and he wants to share that with us so um it happened here in vegas it's if anybody's from vegas and feel uh, familiar with vegas down on lake mead there's a uh, uh hans surplus army surplus hans army surplus store that used to be the industrial wash machine and so it was that laundry dry cleaners we did a lot of the hotels same building hotel. Yeah, so we owned that building at the time. Then we, my father had laundries and dry cleaners throughout the valley, and um, I was working one summer. Um, we had an extractor machine that was outdated. Safety device was broken. I was too close to it, and my arm got caught and immediately got ripped off. It's a centrifugal machine that spins at a high rate of speed like a, your wash machine in your home does, but it's 10 times faster and bigger, and it caught my arm, and it, it, it ripped it right off. 17 years old. 17 years old. Um, <clears throat> I went up to the front office to have someone call the uh, ambulance. And the arm is in the machine. You're walking around without an arm. My arm's in the machine. And the guy working up front, he, he starts freaking out. And I pick up the phone, dial zero, and hand it to him and said, get the ambulance here. Um, <laughs> seemed like it was forever and a day before they got there, of course. But they uh, they showed up, put my arm in an ice chest. And uh, drove me to Southern Nevada Memorial Hospital, what it was called in those days. Yeah. And um, crazy enough, uh, while in the hospital with blood transfusions, I was given hepatitis C. Didn't know what that was until oh, man. 40 years wow. later. But uh, but it was uh, the doctors there were told my dad that uh, had a choice either put the limb back, be a dead limb, and would not be functional, or to <clears throat> leave my arm off. And he was a prosthetic. My dad said, leave it off. And that was a great decision my dad made because that was able to do a lot of things. And I know a couple of people with dead limbs and that, that's a tough one, not being able to use it. And so um, got my first prosthetic six weeks later and there I went. Jumped on a dirt bike. Hot damn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh. So it was, it was a, at 17, you know, I, I tell people that, and they said, you know, how'd you get over it? I really didn't have time to think. I, I was young. Uh, it was in the summer between my junior and senior year in high school. I, I would spend my summers here in Vegas and then go back to Northern California during the school year. And it happened two weeks before school. So I stayed here, only knew a couple people, went to Clark High School. And everything was just happening. So I just kind of rode the train and everything was fine. Yeah. Just you got to wow. keep living. Well, you know, it's a, it was a lot easier than you would think, but it's because 
you know, we had a pool in the backyard. And so we duct tape uh, baggies to my arm so I could swim. And, and my dad had a pool table in our trophy room. And I played pool every day. So when I got old enough to go to the barn, we would. Uh, <laughs> I, I made a few bucks off the pool table. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to play pool later tonight. Yes, <laughs> and we'll play the first game lousy, and then we'll fill them in, and then we'll start betting. Well, you have to cover me because I'm no good. <laughs> uh, um, I I was playing pool in a in a bar in Tempe one year, and um, I'd lived there for a summer. And my last day, I was I was moving, and so I went to the bar, and a bunch of my friends went to the bar, and was shooting pool, and so I um made a shot and my buddies at the bar and we did a high stub where he put his elbow up and I hit it with my stub. And so the next one I make the two, two people sitting next to him, give me high stubs. By the end of the night, everybody at the bar was getting high stub. And every time I made a, <laughs> a shot, <laughs> so long before COVID got there, we were doing the high stub. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <clears throat> well, bandit. Um, Obviously, your nickname is Bandit because the one-armed bandit, you know, that's a Vegas thing. Who was the first one to call you Bandit, or where did that originally come from? So, originally, um, my first racing, there was a gentleman named Ben Mays. He had uh, two sons that were great Moran racers, and uh, he called me Mono. He owned the uh, Yamaha dealership on Charleston and Jones back in the day, and but that didn't stick long. I can't remember who called me Bandit, but... In 1993, I started selling slot machines for Bally uh, Slot Machine Company. Became the top salesman globally. It was very fortunate. Wow. And so my standard line when I was selling slot machines is, who knows more about one-armed bandits? And uh, so <laughs> that slot machine, the motorcycle riding, it just all stuck. And uh, my first <laughs> wife, I can remember being at the races, and, and people didn't know my real name. They just knew me as Bandit, and they'd call my wife Mrs. Bandit. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was kind of fun stuff. It, it just stuck, and it fit with the slot machines, my career, and uh, motorcycle racing. That's awesome. Nice. Cool. Well, let's go through a little bit of your accomplish accomplishments. And I know you've got some number one plates, some of the other organizations. I know we talked about you you went to X Games one year. Tell us about that. So I went to the X Games qualifier in Michigan. Got a lot of help from Moran and other people here in, in the Valley to help me get all the way to Michigan and back. Um, thought I was a pretty accomplished motorcycle racer. Now that, that sorry to interrupt, but that X Games, was that for everybody or was it for somebody, amputees? or So it was a qualifier for the amputee division. So okay. they, they had an adaptive class where one leg, one arm, whatever it may be um and I, there's one guy that's really good he's got no fingers um suzuki racer a, oh, a kid yeah. that it, i helped while at motorcycle tire center um his family came in and we made him a throttle and we made a velcro strap to put his um hand to the or stub to the handlebars and he become became really accomplished and i think he won um there's, there's a handicap association that he's won it nationally like four or five times. Um, really good, good kid. I'm sorry. I can't remember his name at the moment. We're getting old in my age, but uh, <laughs> so um, back at Re- Williams raceway, 
I think one year, my best year, I think I got into to number 13 in the points. Um, and so it, it, it was a, there was a lot of racers and it was a lot of fun, but it was very competitive. It, it, was, it, was, it was good times. Racing Moran all the years, I think the first time I got a number three plate was in the desert class over 45 in 2000. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it was great going on stage at the Moran banquet and, and, and getting the, one of those big giant trophies. And it was just one of the coolest things that, that I, I can remember in 2007, I got a number two plate in the over 50 desert. And, um, I got a number two fifty, uh, number two plate in the GP series over fifty that year. I was lucky enough to carry two of them. I couldn't carry both of them, so so Gina Wilson, <laughs> well, bunch came up and grabbed one of my trophies for me. So she carried one, and and I carried one. Um, Two thousand eleven, um, I got the number one plate in the GP series. Uh, number in two thousand twelve for fifty class. Yeah, for the over fifty class, I, I got the number two plate in GP. In twenty ten, I got the number one plate in over 50 GP, um, 2017 or 2015, I got the number three plate in over 50, uh, 2017, I got the number, number one plate in the GP super senior. And I got, um, number one plate, or excuse me, I got number three plate in works. Oh yeah. Um, and then the next year I was a couple points off and I got ended up number four. I didn't get oh. to get to the podium for the year. And we came down to the very last race. So c crazy stuff. Uh, 2018, I got a number three plate for the super senior class in the GP. 2017 uh, was, was also the, the work. So I've been very lucky. Uh, I've raced works races for a, a decade. I started doing uh, the big six a couple years ago. Um, my first time ever going to Glen Helen was for uh, a works racing that's my favorite course now mine too uh, yeah and i didn't get to get there until i was 60 years old mm. i'm like all my friends that were motocross racers back in the day they were all coming down to california and I, I was desert racing and hanging out in vegas and uh gosh i wish i would have went years ago because it's, it's just a, it's such a great place to go and, and southern california racing just phenomenal so been uh, got a few accomplishments down the road there that's awesome i i mean even if even if you didn't get any of those awards or places, you're still out there on a dirt bike living life. It's just the fun part of it. So you end up getting these things because you're just having fun. Exactly. When I got the works race, um, work series number three plate, I didn't know he got it. You know, so I, I showed up at the first event for this next year and uh, at sign up, they go, Hey, you weren't at the words banquet. And I go, no, they go, well, you got number three plate. Here's your, here's your reward. <laughs> oh my gosh, shit, I would have went. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Come here, we've got a sponsor or two. Uh -huh. <laughs> Arms aren't cheap. <laughs> Arms aren't cheap. Another quote of the day. <laughs> uh, so he was sitting here on break and telling us about his arm, and he still feels his fingers. Yeah, what do you call it? Yeah, yeah, phantom pains. I can feel since we're talking about it, I can feel my hand moving. Uh, I can phantom, feel my fingers yeah. moving. Yeah, so I get phantom pains. Um, when I talk about it, if, if I don't think about it, it, it doesn't happen. So the, the mind uh, still thinks it's there, right? Uh, sometimes, so, 
Oh, go ahead. Sometimes it feels like someone's got a pair of pliers pulling my fingernails off. So sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it doesn't. I, I when we were talking about, I was giving a corn dog the, the finger. Yeah, he lifts up his nub and he goes, "I'm flipping you off right now." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You've lived more of your life without it than you did with it, but your your mind still knows that it was there. That's. That's it's, it's it's unbelievable how strong the mind is and, and you know overcoming things sicknesses and things like that if you believe you can overcome things you will um i'm actually a, a two-time cancer survivor and been a diabetic for 26 years wow uh, but you know it, it's a mindset life is a mindset and, and and my mind still thinks my hands there hmm. huh. what a hero <laughs> in my own mind so <laughs> I, so i got a funny story early days in racing probably my second year um george antill is, is a paramedic and we've and, had george on our show so george is out at the williams motocross and george is training two young ladies uh in in, in paramedics and i crash so the harness that's hooked to my prosthetic that goes around my chest and my back and my left arm broke. So I crashed and my bike was probably a good 20 feet from me and my jersey had stretched and it looked like it tore my arm off. And these two girls ran to help, of course, because <laughs> I crashed and they ran the other way screaming and, and George is laughing and they're looking like, George, what the hell's wrong with you? But George, of course, knew who he was and what it was. So George tells that story every time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so have you ever raced Baja or have you ever been down to Baja? Never been to Baja, but it's a bucket list. I mean, yeah. I, 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 one year with the X Games, one of the guys that had won, won the gold medal the year before had lost his leg. Um, we were set up to, to race the next year. We were getting sponsors, uh, the right bike. He, he wanted to ride, and uh, he, he wounded his stub. Uh, so we didn't go. And since then, of course, other amputees have gone and, and, and accomplished it. And so we, we would have been, the, I think, the first team, but uh, just wasn't meant to be. But that's, it's, still, it's still on my bucket list. And that was one of my next questions. What, what else What do you have on your bucket list? I mean um, – Gosh, haven't thought much about it. Otherwise, you've been living life so much. I don't think about what yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, so I, I would love to do um, Baja for sure. Um, there's probably uh, I, I thought of trying to, uh, an enduro cross, but I, I checked that off. So nah, I might be laying on the ground more. I would be on the bike. Yeah, uh, <laughs> might, might lose another arm. Exactly. So <laughs> I thought nah. So. Um, I would like to uh, ride in Costa Rica. I see a lot of people do that really cool adventures. So maybe some more motorcycle places that I haven't been um, that you see people do adventure rides. Um, love to go to Europe. Right. Yeah. You know I mean, just, just, just to go places. I, I'd like to go to the Tour de France and ride my bicycle. Wow. Yeah. Cause they, they allow you either the day before or the day after of each stage that you can ride that. I think it's the day before that, spectators can ride the course get to that destination then the next day the race gets there oh. and then they, they take off then the next day so i 
that'd be a cool thing. I, I did a lot of bicycle riding, bicycle races, um, years and years ago. And so, um, did a few triathlons with the challenge athletes foundation. That was really cool. So, um, otherwise I, I haven't thought much about a bucket list. Yeah. I mean, you're living your bucket list. It sounds like <laughs> I, I think I am a fortunate life to be doing such. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Eric, you got anything for him? What, what do you think? <clears throat> Let's go to Baja. Yes. Let's go. God damn. <laughs> We're going to hit that big lotto on, on Friday and we'll all go. I've already bought multiple tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Did you stand in line for like 10 hours? No. So um, I travel for a living and so I always buy lotto tickets. So I buy the next 10 weeks worth and one ticket for each time. Right. And I, two of those are still active. And then Friday we we're building a cabin up in Mammoth Creek, uh, Utah. And so I'll stop in Littlefield. Get me at twenty bucks worth for Saturday's draw and twenty bucks for next Tuesday's draw. <laughs> we get that, guys. But we'll uh, just just get a big airplane and put everything inside the airplane. We're going racing. We'll get you a cadaver well, arm. And I make think you they real. said no, no, no cadavers. <laughs> I think they said somebody bought some in either Baker or Barstow's that that hit the Mega Millions or something. Huh? I saw that uh, this morning. Somebody, whoever bought out, of, I think it was Baker. California. Um, anyway, they're, was, they're looking for a big, big one. So huh. I, I think it was the uh, so if you hit five numbers without the Powerball, you get like a million bucks. And I think like four people hit that, but the, the one bill one point two billion dollars is still up for grabs. Friday, one point no, one point oh two billion. This Friday. Oh shit! I gotta buy my tickets early Friday. <laughs> one point one point oh two billion. Yes. That's a few uh, Huskies, KTM's, Yamaha's. Speaking of which, what what bike are you on now? So I'm on a 350FX Husqvarna. Okay. Super cool bike. Uh, rode betas for a few years. Got a few of those championships on betas. Um, my beta was a, a pretty heavy motorcycle, 267 pounds. My Husqvarna is 221. And as I age, that 221 pounds is a lot easier to pick up than the 267. <laughs> Especially like... Um, with one arm or, and <laughs> I, 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 I crashed it works um, mesquite race and, and the back part where that the, the ground so soft and silty yeah man I was so tired I couldn't get up my buddy comes by and picks me up and go no no I don't want to get up he's come on let's go I don't want to get up yeah shit I had to go <laughs> <laughs> I had to finish <laughs> uh, yeah. well uh I want to thank you guys a lot for having the opportunity to, to yeah. share my story and hopefully I, I, I entice someone else to um, move forward to an amputee or to share with an amputee they may know that you know things can be accomplished. Heck yeah. I mean, got to live life with or without. Yep. I'm on my second wife. <laughs> <laughs> What's that got to do with it? <laughs> Living life. <laughs> Are you looking for a third? No, hell no. Ah, she cut my other arm off. <laughs> well, we thank you, Bandit, for coming on the show and for being an inspiration to us. And, you know, every time we see you out there, it's just uh, inspirational. So keep up the good work, man, and keep pushing. Heck yeah, we love you. Thanks, guys. Dubs up.
Dubs up. <laughs> All right. Before we cut it off, if you guys have any comments, questions, uh, guest suggestions, ideas, reach out to us. Our Facebook is Katie Eric. Our email is the desert biker at gmail or Instagram, the desert Dirt biker. So please reach out, give us your comments. It's always good to hear from you. <laughs> and uh, we got some good things coming up in the, in the future. Like we kind of announced a little bit trail ride. Uh, we got some, a couple other things we want to announce here uh, later on and we're working on and uh what do you got eric yeah until next time everybody thank you for tuning in and catch you on the next show all right we'll see you at the races signing off signing off you have just listened to another episode of the desert dirt biker podcast thank you for listening make sure you tune in next time see you at the races